Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans-inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day, and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. Brand new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to turn it all around again. It's a new day, brand new day, make it better than yesterday. You can always find a way to start over again. When the sun rises, you can start over again. social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, peace, peace, peace. What's good? Oh, life is good. Politics are not. (laughs) <laughs> that's a thing that's a thing mm-hmm. under attack in every which way facts 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 and more facts has anything come that surprised you um in terms of politics i would say uh surprised but kind of not surprised about the stuff going down in jackson mississippi mm-hmm. with the state trying to take over like the police for the local government essentially and appointing folks from the state house which is mostly white in mississippi and saying well we're gonna have control over what's happening in jackson because it's the capital so we're gonna have jurisdiction um there something kind of similar but not to the extreme is happening in dc something similar to that wherever there's a lot of black there's black political power they're trying that to take over the police force in i think st louis they've done it in benton harbor michigan they try to do it with detroit so that that's kind of you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's very practical, you know, after reconstruction type of shit that happens. So some of it is just like it's not surprising because they're very clear about what they're doing and they're using the playbook after reconstruction. So none of the shit they're doing is like not shit that we've already dealt with. So that's the other piece of it. That's kind of like weird that it's so blatant. But the pushback isn't like as pushback as it could be, <laughs> you know, and you know what always cracks me up. You know how when stuff go down or somebody, you know, people have a shirt made or somebody will say, we are not our ancestors. Or yeah, say something very, very problematic and negative, but ignorant, very ignorant and disrespectful. But it, it I always think about it in this sense, like. Kind of like COVID taught us that as well. Like we we see these movies where we would say what we would do if an epidemic broke out. 
Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We try to imagine mm-hmm. what we would do. And, and then, here we were. Yeah. And here we are in an epidemic. No, it didn't turn us into zombies. But if we <laughs> did, what would you would you have been a zombie today? <laughs> right. You know, it, right. whatever choices that you made, could they have cost you harm if there was something that was um, that? And also, like this, yes, when we talk about, like, say, harm, some somebody beating us or blah 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 but when we think about these more subtle things there is a mm-hmm. whole status quo there is a whole um way you maneuver that is the rules of um the you know the country how you maneuver how you politically the social maneuver, structure the yeah, social yeah, structure yeah. what yeah. you're supposed to do and it is really yeah. easy to go to feel like oh if i go along with these rules things will work out while uh, while the enemy is subtly changing things on you mm-hmm. and so you don't know how you would react when your norm is being disrupted <laughs> and yeah. you're trying to make it work, trying to do what's right, trying to be cordial and trying to do these things. But sometimes you don't even know. Like now, they're literally trying to roll back to Jim Crow. So what are you doing? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a gradual thing, mm-hmm. right? Like psychological warfare is a gradual thing. So, you know, instead yeah. of being course corrective, to your point, you know, folks been acting like, white folks do with social movements, which is just complain. Like what we saw with white women, not saying, you know what I mean? Or we saw with the hippie, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of grief and angst and it's like not necessarily actionable about how to do something about it. And even though you had every, every generation is gonna be like, well, we doing something different, right? But this intentionally, the energy was put out there to intentionally have people not want to talk to their elders or talk to folks with the institutional memory and got and a lot of folks, you know, play, got played into played into that because they were getting fed that in the in the zeitgeist to mm-hmm. do so. Like, that's cool. That ain't cool. But also <laughs> another yeah. element of that, what you're talking about in regards to um, like the box and stuff, there was a study done where they were giving an incentive, a monetary incentive to people to share and determine factual information or misinformation. Mm. And mm-hmm. so what they learned is that everybody, when they have a incentive, like a monetary incentive to share real information, more than likely they're going to share real information. If they have to determine what's fake and what's real, if they have an incentive, they're going to do it. So that's one. Another element is that conservatives have a way more likely chance, more than anybody, <laughs> way more likely mm-hmm. chance to shift from, to change from sharing fake news to sharing real news. But what they also found out was sharing fake news, sharing things that are disinformation is mm-hmm. not necessarily about them not knowing the facts. It mm-hmm. is them, regardless of the facts, I want to share this information just to shake things up. So it's more, and I think that proves more of the insidiousness of the people sharing. It's not just the people who are um, making some, you know, this person or this this company that's making things. It's about the people who are intentionally sharing too. 
it's not yeah, just I, just I think sometimes it's a crack of truth though in there right and that's what they take advantage of it's like it's like you know dirty water dirty water dirty water with like one percent of clean water kind mm -hmm. of thing and it's like that's i think that's the hook though it's like the part that makes sense the part that is true right that's real tiny is the hook and right. then but it's it's clouded because it, it's not just like there is no thing underneath it it's kind of like when people be like what are you saying united states ain't a free country it's like no are you, are you saying the united states kill other people like other countries uh -huh. yeah and that you know but that could get you know, it's like the nuance kind of gets or, lost. Right, or that, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Or that little bit of truth really erases all the rest of the nuance. So let's give a perfect example, like mm -hmm. Asian um, Asian and African-American relationships. Yes, uh, have Asian businesses been predatory when it comes to Black neighborhoods? Have white people set them up to be predatory and they took advantage of that for their stuff? Absolutely, yes. Like, you know, they would give them mm -hmm. loans to be in Black neighborhoods so that they would not be in white neighborhoods. They neighborhoods. Right. Exactly. So that, and so, yep. yes, their money will be ex exploitative. Their financial practices will be exploitative to our community, taking the dollar out of our, out of our, um, out of our communities and put it into theirs. And while they also invest in trying to move into white neighborhoods and, and assimilate mm -hmm. into whiteness. So is that true? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But you'll have this one person, I think this one guy, I can't remember his name, child. Don't, um, he's just, he took us, <laughs> he be saying some cool stuff, but then he also be saying some shit that's wrong. And this is what I'm talking about. So he'll, mm -hmm. you'll make that statement. And while that may be true, then you'll say, Oh, they ain't never been down with us. Ain't none of them motherfuckers. Da, 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 da. When we mm -hmm. know historically that's inaccurate. We know yep. historically that their agents have been in community with us. Have there been some, just like just like black people take other races out of it? Just like black people, mm -hmm. there are there have been some sellout bourgeois um, black people too. <laughs> but there also yep. have been down. Black people in our community doing our thing. It's the same thing with Asians. It's like Malcolm X died in the arms of an Asian woman <laughs> that was organizing with Black people. And, you know, mm -hmm. so there's always this, um, this idea of, yes, you sprinkle a little bit of truth in there and it makes them ignore all of the nuances that could be. You get what I'm saying? All of the nuances yeah. of the truth and the nuances of, yeah, it's it's cloudy what like like for example if you're in the region of the west coast oregon um california da 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 yes asians because that's where they were settling at during the time of reconstruction all that kind of stuff they received a lot of backlash and you know we all the negative harmful <laughs> stuff but when I mean, we come the, to the, the south mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. a lot of regions that they were in in the south they were assimilated into whiteness they were allowed to go to white schools i know here in texas they were allowed to go to white schools it was the mexicans that were forced to um go to black schools <laughs> agents mm -hmm. were for, the agents was allowed to be in white spaces in in many reasons because they weren't um as prevalent in the southeastern Jim Crow as they were in the West Coast. So what the mm -hmm. Asian American life in the West Coast looked very, very different mm -hmm. than in what it looked like in the South. And so there was a lot of times that they were if they were allowed to go to the schools, they were allowed to drink from the white water fountains, they were allowed to do mm -hmm. to not deal mm -hmm. with some of the things. And in some areas they were. So 
there's mm-hmm. a nuance that you have to accept that that mm-hmm. is real. And mm-hmm. so um, I think, like you said, there is some there's some moments mm-hmm. when the truth mm-hmm. will make them not will make them erase all of the nuances that's happening. And, and to your point, even with like immigration, like the first ban on the ban on immigration was the Chinese Exclusion Act. Like mm-hmm. they, they stopped Chinese people from coming to the country. Yes, exactly. For a very long time. Right. You know, and that's the basis for a lot of the immigration stuff we deal with today around exclusion and. All, yeah, you know that's the first one is the right. and them using our gains as black people in order to fight that to overturn those type of things using our gains mm-hmm. and our um mm-hmm. you know our are already um established leeway and inroads into making these type mm-hmm. of changes all of this is connected i'm not saying that all mm-hmm. Asian people are great in their politics around whiteness and i'm not saying all of them are bad but mm. this is but we it's have definitely to, regional and nuanced right you got to accept yeah. these things and you can't just take one truth and we see that in in, in the patriarchal stance when we when we see um particularly yep. men will will find these exceptional examples of women see see um he 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 did all he was supposed to do and she got him for his um, child support. But statistically, like this mm-hmm. is <laughs> y'all just leaving the house or, or for example, y'all just let me, let's talk about the welfare system. People always love that. Say, uh, the, the hoteps love to say the, the government kicked the, um, <laughs> black men out of the home when that actually is not necessarily true. <laughs> I mean, it's partially true, right? Because you couldn't get your assistance if you had a man in the house. But that was, that was the, you know, I mean, that's a part of it. I ain't saying that's all of it. We always worked around shit. That's something we have always done. Right. We've always worked around it. And it, one monkey don't stop no show, as, as my, <laughs> my grandmother would say. Like, you, yeah, you can come do this, but I, I know I just tell them to leave the house. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. using that mm-hmm. as an excuse to make it to for you not to be able and I, and I bring that up using that as an excuse for you not to be able to take care of your kids that never has stopped people from taking care of their kids like exactly. it's something it's something that you know if you want to be in your kid's life you can be in your kid's life they're not just forcing you out because y'all can work yeah. around it we've been working around yeah. these these things all the time <laughs> So I wanted to bring an expert on Shalua Israel of this conversation. She made a video about this, and I think it is perfect to insert her audio from her TikTok. You can follow her at S-H-A-L-U-A dot Y-S-H-R-A-E-L. So check her out and listen to what she had to say about the welfare system. Thank you for this comment. It actually opens the door for us to discuss why it's a false narrative to claim that welfare kept black men out of the homes. The black men who use this talking point have taken a snapshot of welfare history and not only blown it completely out of proportion, but omitted very important details. During the first 20 years of welfare, the ADC or Aid for Dependent Children plan did prioritize women with children who had no husband. And so they did discriminate against women with illegitimate children. And they prioritized the bulk of their aid toward families where the woman was a widower, meaning she was originally a wife. But that is the rub in black men using this talking point. 
to admit that a black man may have been discriminated against and put out of his home because of welfare is to admit that that man refused to make an honest woman out of his baby mama and marry her. That black and white historical video that I shared yesterday proves this fact. Men who were married to the mother of their children and participating in work training programs could in fact stay in the home on public assistance with their wife. And so the whole truth is whoremongering non-committal black men were put out of the homes by welfare. And get this, it was in the 1960s during the civil rights movement that black women were instrumental in eliminating this discriminatory practices within welfare. The National Welfare Rights Organization was primarily formed by black women who lobbied against discrimination based on marital status and race. And that's another rub. Black women actually lobbied for black men who were not husbands to be able to remain in the home. So by the 60s and 70s, black men had no one else to blame for why they were not in their homes but themselves. But technically they had no one to blame before because they were only getting put out of the home because they refused to marry their baby mamas. And unfortunately we have to overlay the statistics that show black families have the highest rates of domestic violence. That means a lot of women down through the years actually chose government assistance over abuse. Very many black women chose peace and safety for them and their children over simply being able to say they had a man in the home. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's interesting, too, I think what in terms of welfare, the conversation around welfare, I think it's one of those it's one of those stats that became kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy in the community for certain folks because people just repeated it all the time mm -hmm. um, and people start to believe it, even if it's not really true. You right. Know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's why we say you can have one little monicum of truth or, or example and they will erase all that they know <laughs> yep. or all that they know. And so I think those elements, when it comes to misinformation, that is where you have to take personal accountability of how you respond to information. If you know this is not true or if there's a nuance, share the nuance as well, not just uh, not just you know, you got to be conscious. And I don't know if conservatives have the consciousness or the um, um, moral fortitude or the integrity to actually do that. Yeah. It's even, yeah. you know, about this drag <laughs> shit. Like, you can't mm. oh, be yeah. serious. Yeah. You can't be serious. There's too many examples in this country, um, in the cishet culture, in the queer culture, where drag queens have been used as the entertainment, as the fundraising tool yep. Yep. for cis yep. and queer people. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah, cis right. and queer Especially, people. Yep. And so yep. in my brain, it seems like you can't be serious. And also... Okay, cool. You 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 saying <laughs> that you you care about the children and you want to protect the children. Yeah, that's but then lie. when it comes to real documented threats, like all the right. cases from the Boy Scouts, all that the cases part. from the um Catholic Church, all of the cases, y'all don't y'all don't write y'all don't write legislation to protect those children. And that there's been a million cases, like yeah. literally thousands yeah. of cases 
from the 1940s on to now of harmed no. children. Yep. And y'all are not going to the courthouse. Not, 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 not no drag queens. Right. Exactly. Not drag queens. Exactly. So it's not really a threat. Not drag queens. That's not even logical. <laughs> you know no. what I'm saying? It's like it's not logical at all. And it's it's operating off of impulse and emotion. And fear. Like, and fear. It's just weird. Because some of these same people be at drag shows. It's like, girl, what? Like, what are y'all doing? Like, you just, you know, it's very um, like with some of the politicians too, it's like. It's very um, what's uh, George Wallace? George Wallace was not a staunch segregationist or racist, but he found it to be politically expedient. So he started saying wild ass shit, and it's just very <laughs> just not to get too off, but like you know, some of the the wild ass shit. Some of it's just to score clout too, you know. A lot of it's just to score clout. But like Donald, um, he said, "Oh yeah, orange dude." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like most mm-hmm. of the most of the reason why we end up with Donald is because he was saying some of the most crazy shit. That they was like, ooh, well, we can say that. <laughs> and, and and white and a lot of white liberals didn't take him seriously. And that's why you saw a lot of the black folks in Congress who were like, no, this shit hard stop, dangerous, hard stop, mm-hmm. hard stop. He's the son of a Klansman, hard stop. He's the son of a Klansman. One of the reasons why this is, is because of the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I think it's because of the ignorance of the conservative that equates transness with drag. Um, you know, and we, you know, anybody who knows there's a difference between a trans person and a drag queen. Um, and it's a particular, a particular attack on trans femmes. And so that goes, there are drag queens who are trans women. Who are trans right. fans, um, but they're not mutually exclusive. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think because of all of these things being connected, they are um, they're just looking at things to attack. They're just looking mm-hmm. at things to. Are you? I know. Are you talking about like the general social structure people, or are you talking about us in within our community? No, no, no. Or, the general. Just okay. the general, just the general population, the general culture. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, it, you know, it, it's kind of like Black Lives Matter. That it was, this is a, it was a theme to that that swelled up <laughs> in 2015, 16, 17, and so they needed to attack it. Being woke, yes. is a theme that swelled up. We've been using woke for years, but because it, it, the, the, the woke. Um, euphemism got yes. put into the zeitgeist of political culture, national political culture, they have to feel the need to attack it. I think these popular things, you know, this is just a part of their strategy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think there's an element with, with for us as Black people, I think as, you know, for quote unquote people of color, there's a, there's a disconnect that is bigger than it's ever been. I think a part of, as we move forward too, is, is being 100 about the fact that we do have an element of gentr- gent- folks in our own community that are part of the problem when it comes to gentrification or kind of hijacking things like woke and kind of being disconnected and kind of running with it because if, you know, and it's like understanding that like, we all are socialized into this white bullshit, social structure shit. It's kind of like, you know, typically when people, you know, people go to a, a predominantly white college and, you know, kind of like higher learning. You seen higher learning? 
And it's like, oh, I discovered everything about myself. And if you are kind of in your 20s, kind of discovering your blackness and all that kind of shit, we all got to have some discernment. We're all working through our anti-blackness that we're socialized in. But if you are anchored in a community that was anchored in whiteness, it's important to do that work. If, even if you're anchored in a community that was anchored in blackness, it's important to do the work. The point is, it's important to do the work, okay? Because it's important to be centered, in my opinion, in how does it free us? How do we free each other? Who are we to each other? How do we build our shit? It's important to be able to, uh, institutional memory and talking to your elders and learning from the folks before you is something that's always been a part of so social movements within the black community. And that disconnect in this movement, not for everybody, but the disconnect with some people on the fringe, we got just, it's important to acknowledge that piece and like kind of reconcile with that. Um, because I think, you know, there's an opportunity because that's kind of calmed down recently, which is great. Mm. But I do think it's important to talk about it um, as we move forward, you know what I'm saying? To make sure that we focus because these people are not playing with us. And so being yelling at whoever, being distracted with this, if it's not actionable for us as we are dealing with genocide, like we got to focus on that because these people are not playing. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? They are not playing in these state legislatures. They are not playing on the local level. They are not playing, you know, and I just hope that there's more opportunities for us to learn about what's happening in the elections, learn about our history, learn about this stuff so we can get ready to vote in 20 this year and next year. I'm reading this book called The Trouble with White Women by Kayla Schooler. One story in there that is quite, um, I don't want to say enlightening, but um, the, the details and nuances of her story was really, really like enlightening. So she was talking, she was telling the story about um, Uncle Todd Cameron and Harriet Beecher Stowe. Is that her name? Mm -hmm. Harriet yeah. Beecher Stowe. Yeah. That's her name. That's her name. Yeah. yeah. So um, she was, and it's about white feminism, like the counter history of white feminism and what was going on. And how her diligence in trying to save the black slave or save black people and be anti-slavery was not about the slave. It was more about her ego. It was more yep. about, um, <laughs> right. you know, there was this battle of I'm trying to I'm using anti I'm anti-slavery, but I'm also putting it in the sense that we have to be the emotional because they are in a battle with their white male counterpart. They are trying yep. to establish themselves as. A, a unique resource to humanity. And their emotionality and their mm. feminine wiles, uh, not feminine in a sexual way, but, you know, th the nurturing. This is how mm. this is what we bring to the culture that the men can't do. We can nurture these oh, Africans. We can nurture these right. Africans out of savagery into right. civilization. We can mm. nurture these Indians out of mm. savagery into civilization. And it is our job as the white woman 
to bring right. that to humanity and right. to bring that in a way that men can't do. And men can't tell us that we're not just as valuable because we are the heart where y'all can be the strength of the race and the humanity. We are the heart. And it's this thing where they are trying to equalize themselves with white men. Mm-hmm. But while at the same time putting themselves on a pedestal as if they can teach and be sympathetic to the savage Negro. Yeah. And yeah. she was so diligent <laughs> and so blind to that to that belief <laughs> while there is some benefit because, like I said, she was literally anti-slavery and she was going over to Europe um england and mm-hmm. when her book was real popular and and convincing them and convincing other people and go excuse mm-hmm. me traveling speaking and you know there was there was some <laughs> importance right some importance to what she was selling to the people yes <laughs> but when we talk about people who was um when we talk about her reasoning behind it, mm-hmm. it was the ego. It was still rooted in white supremacy. It was still rooted in her thinking she was better than slaves. Yep. She was still mm-hmm. better than better than these black people. Yeah. Better than sure the black did. people. And she had the she had the tool. And even her book, she didn't have access to what the real life of a plantation was. So she literally were writing to people like Frederick Douglass asking him questions like tell me about this tell me about that almost being demanding mm. because i'm the one with the voice mm. i'm the one that they're gonna listen to because you don't have access like me so you need to tell me about slavery and all that i need to know so i could put it in my book because they're gonna listen to me because you i'm the civilizer right you said rewriting history yeah so and not even like rewriting it just trying to over imagine it because i don't have access to it but i need you as a black person to give me that access so i can be authentic Mm -hmm. and what's crazy another element of the story um francis harper i mean Mm -hmm. harriet harriet um jacobs i'm sorry in her in her situation her narrative as a black woman her narrative was blocked by one of the first gay <laughs> so Harriet Jacob is the life of the slave girl, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Her, her, um, her. We found out about it's popular now. We know about it now, but at its time when she created right. it, it was blocked by one of the first gay publications. <laughs> How ironic is that? <laughs> Sounds about white to me. Sounds, Sounds about, about white it. to me. So yes. it was literally blocked block wow. from being published. And so I learned that in this book too. So mm. I said all of that to say it, it's funny because I feel like that's one of the elements that we have to do when we are somebody in a place of privilege to make sure that while we may sound like we're doing the right thing, it is important to check in with people who you are trying to help or people you are or in community you. with Yes, to make yes. sure that you are aligned with the right things that is not centering yourself and centering your privilege and still aligning with ideas of white supremacy, ideas of patriarchy, ideas of, you know, 
on that because yeah. it could it can sound right. You could be on the right path, but wh- where your your context of that path may be wrong, and it's going to lead you in a bad place. Because <laughs> in that in that moment, Harriet Beecher Stowe, she was she had all the opportunities. She was getting written to by Francis W. Harper. She was getting written to um, by these people, black women who were trying to who was respecting her as a as a voice because she could write and they were like oh well let me try to share you some real stories so you could get the real team mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were open to her but because but her whiteness and ego blocked her from seeing the powerful access that she could <laughs> use that she could right. have with giving these um black women a platform so um mm-hmm. yeah check that book out it is called the trouble with white women it's really it really good. good i love it um and yeah so anyway um audience let us know what y'all think about all of the you know the things that are going on politically is it making y'all uh, uh, amp up your self-care amp it up amp it up amp I, it up diamond what i keep saying these every time we get every, what i say these people ain't playing Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and i know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because i put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch i am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you i really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So recently, a bill was introduced in the Texas Senate triggering, you know, tons of alarms for us here in in Texas, where it would make nearly every gender affirming health care illegal, including surgical and non-surgical treatment for trans adults. For all trans adults? For trans adult, trans people, period. Wow. (laughs) Yes. And so this bill would make any public funding for trans health care at any age. They will ban it and make it illegal and make it impossible for trans people to get health care from medical professionals or insurance providers. The bill is SB 1029, which was introduced on February 17th by Republican state. Senator Bob Hall banning public gender modifications and treatments. It will bar any health procedure. So it lists any any it, it lists what they would be blocking as gender affirming care. Any surgery performed on a patient's genitals, breast, any kind of prescription to puberty blockers or hormones for the purpose of transitioning patients from the their bio, biological sex 
or affirming the patient's perception of the patient's sex. I think it's quite interesting. It will put us in a situation where we are being even more hypocritical than we are being. Because first of all, cisgender people <laughs> will have access to gender affirming care for themselves. And I know you like, you know, Diamond, what do you mean gender affirming care for cisgender people? There are tons of things that cisgender people do that is that affirms their gender. When we think about breast augmentation, <laughs> when we, we think about gynecomastia, when we think about these surgeries, these are the we didn't just trans people didn't just pop up and say, oh, we we want these things. And and you and the and the medical field yeah. said, oh, my God, we want to create them just for you. Breast augmentation was already being done for cis women. <laughs> Gynecomastia surgery, a.k.a. top surgery, <laughs> was already right. being done for cisgender men because men were growing boobs, man boobs. And right. they want, and it wasn't affirming to their gender, their masculinity. And so they needed to create yeah. a surgery that was getting rid of them. And so yeah. trans men, oh, I can use this surgery too. It's really common. So, you know, those kind of, those kind of argumentations, cisgender people will be getting. So it's trans people that are getting <laughs> the scrutiny from this stuff. Now, also, when we go into like hormone therapy, hormone therapy and all that kind of stuff, baby, cisgender women are out here getting hormone therapy like it is nothing, especially when they age and they're trying to get their self-drive and their coochie start getting dry. They want to be able to start doing stuff to keep keep themselves feeling lively and sickening. You get a little dry down there. It ain't just about sex. It's like, right. It's like, yeah. It's like, and so they, yeah, they, yeah. Want, they want their body to be rejuvenated with these hormones that they're losing as they age same yeah. thing with cisgender men yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah. cialis and viagra all these things because when you get and older hrt and it is it, it is hrt it is you are replacing testosterone so that your little man <laughs> can work like it used to or you can lose a little weight or you can work out in the same functionality that you used to work out in and have that male physique and if if your hormones are imbalanced or you're losing the testosterone that you did that you had when you were younger just because you're aging literally insurance companies and providers are recommending hrt to you this is a very very common practice but in contrast Trans people are subject to scrutiny because we are doing it, which is unfair. Hormone blockers. Cisgender youth are given blockers for reasons that include, but they're not limited to like, you know, if they're too short, <laughs> if their puberty mm -hmm. is a little coming along too fast. I remember when I was in a group home and my boobs were growing on their own and honey, they were trying to give me testosterone to stop them from growing. Um, right. uh, rapid uh, or their development was too rapid. They were getting too grown. You know, <clears throat> when we think about the hormones in our food and this, uh, all this kind of stuff, you know, somebody who don't want that rapid development will try to get their kids on these kind of blockers to mitigate some of these issues that they're having. In contrast, trans people are the ones that are being denied these medicines, but cisgender people know 
it just because it has something to do with your gender identity oh my god oh the the world is coming to the end if we support this but there's something that we do anyway and also any kind of surgery that <laughs> makes you look more masculine or makes you look more feminine or make you fit the ideals of your gender and how it's presenting when we think about calf implants, when we think about butt implants and BBLs, when we think about um, vaginal rejuvenation, you going to get your coochie laser and tightened up um, penile implants. You're getting some pumped in your penis so that it can be bigger and so it can be um, stay hard. Testicular <laughs> implants rhinoplasty, hair transplant, body shape and procedures, anything that changes your body to fit an ideal baby, you are doing something mm -hmm. to affirm your identity and gender, right? Yeah. It is a double standard. If you're thinking that all of these procedures is just for us, it is not just for us. It is for everybody. And it is going to affect you. If you are somebody who needs these things and they start cracking down, this opens up the door for them to harm you as well and stop you from doing what you want to do with your body. This All this shit is about the agency over our body and the control of what we can do with our body when we think about Roe versus Wade being overturned, when we think about um, um, you know the, the youth and the parents and all that kind of stuff and us now as adult trans people all these things is connected they're trying to in they're trying to in you know go too far in in their meddling in our business when it comes to our bodies period it's a big misunderstanding in the area yeah. of like medicine when we talk about these kind of needs when it comes to gender and and we love to make it seem like this is exclusive to trans right. people, but cisgender people have a gender and they do things to affirm their gender. It just, it's just their, you know, it's just that their gender is more as, uh, aligned with what they were assigned at birth. <laughs> right. And so um, I like to, I like to thank um, Transplaining. It's a, um, it's an Instagram page that I follow for um, helping get this thought together. If you don't follow mm -hmm. them, follow them. It's called Transplaining. I, I think this is crazy, this road that we're going down because it's opened up the door for um, them to bother, not just us, but anybody. Absolutely. And I think this goes into the conversation about us not being in our silos and us not, like, you know, there are three factions of areas that really really can benefit from each other when we think about the organizers around voter suppression when we think about the organizer around trans rights when we think about the organizers around reproductive justice i think everybody coming together working towards a goal and understanding that we are connected in some kind of way um it's important for us to work together and get out of our silos and stop feeling like our issue is just with us. We are all connected. Our oppression is all connected. So it's important for you to be a, with for you to be in community with everybody that's on this side of the aisle. Oh, diamond. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Um, to your point about the coalition. You know, I think I mentioned before, I went to a school where they were doing a lot of test cases 
for what we're dealing with today and developing the next generation of your Matt Gateses and your Republican leadership of today. And so, you know, they're like, yeah, the guy that said Scott Software, I don't want my student fees to pay for the Black Student Union or the Women's Center or the LGBT Center, take it all the way to the Supreme Court. And they said, well, you got to do it in a viewpoint neutral way. All of that is test case for this shit. Bullshit they pull in Michigan, all these different things. My point is the coalition that we had was like the Women's Center, the LGBT Center, the Multicultural Student Coalition, all the student of color. Like we had a, we all stood together because, you know, because these people coming for all of us, the people that's for the uh, rape, the DV uh, work, the rape crisis, and like all of us were together. And that's some real shit, Diamond. And, you know, a part of in the real world, not a controlled environment of a college campus world, <laughs> you know, is like, yeah, we gotta we gotta come together. But a couple things too, like, um, like you said about the silos, like it just it made me think about like early in transitioning, not you know transitioning before today, but transitioning navigating the healthcare stuff when people kind of had no healthcare unless you worked for like a big corporation. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was still able to navigate that, and I think to your point about not being silos. Like the only reason I was able to navigate that is because I wasn't in a complete silo, even though I still was like isolated. Um, and there's so much that we can learn from, especially in times like these, from other folks in our community who have been here before, because where we're at now has only existed for maybe 10 years. So, so you know what I mean? Just to put the perspective on it. So it ain't like, this has always been the case. This is some new shit, period. And so I think we can learn a lot on, like we're not, We'll be okay, I guess is what I'm saying. We'll be okay. We will survive. We will figure it out. And not all of these things are going to get passed. And some of them are just too for shock value to freak, freak people out. I mean, that's the thing. They're trying to get to a place where they can openly say, we dealt with the gays. We dealt with the trans folks. We dealt because we you're building the case to get to the place where you can openly say, see, now we have a standard. And now we've proven that, you know, we can discriminate in these ways for particular people. So now we can openly say, because they're working their way to public accommodations to say, we we can discriminate against black people on the bus. We can discriminate against black people at the restaurant. <laughs> and back to color board filings and shit. That's what they're trying to get to Stay, on, on a state by state level. And you can't do shit with the federal government. And that's what this shit sound like too. And don't think that some of, of them are not thinking that because it this is where it's gonna go to, even if they're not thinking it right now. Even they if are, there's though. some that's the th plan. there's some yeah. even if there's some um more liberal con they're conservative but they're in the middle even mm -hmm. them that think oh you know this is just to protect our children they're naive to think of that just like there's some naive people on our side there's some naive people on their side too they naively will think that and then the one who are more insidious they will be pushing something totally against what they feel but because of mm -hmm. the sheep mentality and because of you know, naivete, they, they can, they cannot feel like, oh, that's, they're never, we're not going to go back to Jim Crow, but here we are, we have Mississippi. But it's not just Mississippi. Let's listen to um, Bobo Tea Baby from TikTok. She created a list of all the things that are happening in this fascist regime that we are living in when it comes to American politics. 
number one, the Willow Project got approved, which will release 9.2 million metric tons of carbon pollution into the air per year. Number two, the Supreme Court might overturn the Indian Child Welfare Act, which would allow Native children to be taken away from their parents. Number three, South Carolina and Texas are calling for executions as a punishment for abortion. Number four, Tennessee passed a bill gutting marriage equality for same-sex interfaith and interracial relationships. Number five, Florida has introduced a bill codifying gender-affirming health care as abuse and allowing trans children to be removed from their parents. Number six, Tennessee banned drag and gender-affirming health care for minors. Number seven, Mississippi brought back Jim Crow laws, which allow segregation of all white towns, police forces, and government. Number eight, Arkansas passed laws to make child labor easier. Number nine, a Tennessee representative called for lynchings to be brought back. Number 10, a rep- representatives from several states are calling for transgenocide. We are in stage seven of genocide. Number 11, anti-Semitic hate crimes are on the rise. Number 12, Cop City in Atlanta exists. Uh, and number 13, books are being mass banned in schools and the government is trying to control education. Um, so we're living in a fascist regime and I don't know what to do about it at this point. Let us know what y'all are thinking when it comes to your local area. Especially if you live in these states that are kind of like, when we think about Oklahoma, when we think about Alabama, when we think about, you know, I want to hear about some of these, what is the tactics happening um, in your local area? Hashtag Marsha's Plate. This is an older situation, but it had popped up in my timeline more recently, even though it happened uh, last year. And Jamie Foxx, uh, he actually, when he was doing the movie Ray, um, I guess uh, Oprah sat down with him and said, yo, you're blowing it. I want to take you somewhere so you can understand the significance of what you're doing. And she set up a meeting with him and uh, Quincy Jones and Sidney Portier to talk to him because they were like, yo, you need to buckle down um, in your antics. You about to fuck everything up. You're going to fuck your whole career up. That's a conversation he had. And uh, I think Sidney Portier said from now on throughout your career, you be responsible for what you give and what you show. And I have done as best as I can to sort of live up to that because it is very important. Um, and I just thought it was interesting that they, you know, they pulled him aside very kind of old school, like, yo, you know, you got tissue hanging out your ass. Let's talk about it. <laughs> about to fuck your shit up. But in an era where it's very popular for people to quickly say, fuck respectability politics. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what are your thoughts on that? You know, a gathering um, of you the younger it, generation. Yeah. Do you think, you know, do you think that is just, a, you know, do you think it's just a cut and dry that's respectability thing? Or do you still think there's a place for that? Um, you know, um, I know, oftentimes people talk about Sankofa, right? And like knowing from whence you came, you know, so you're not just out here as like, quote unquote, blank slate, like white folks thinking you're a blank slate, not connected to shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, I'm an individual. Okay, girl. All right. Be an individual when these motherfuckers fucking up the system. Okay. But <laughs> so, yeah, but no, but on real talk, like, what do you think? Because yeah, it is, it's interesting. Yeah, I was, I'm very interested to see what you think about is there a balance between those things or you think that shit, them days are over? Or? I don't want to think them days are over. I just have a problem with Oprah, Quincy Jones, and Cindy Portier pulling anybody together about that because it feels like all of them have 
some fuckboy shit in their past oh, sure. and in their mindset sure. that I don't sure. that I can't trust. <laughs> they they align yeah. respectability politics in a way that I can't trust them. I can't trust your opinion. Mm. I can't trust um when it comes to trying to steer me on how to act because mm. you 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 mm. align with a certain level of bourgeois um mm-hmm. respectable blackness that i there's a i can respect it in the sense of that's how you want to do things but y'all also diminish other thing other ways of doing blackness in a way that i can't respect when yes I, and, and you know especially people you know quincy jones has a history you know i think you pay attention to people love life people act like race doesn't matter in your love life but it does matter mm-hmm. <laughs> it does uh, I, I think it's something that does inform you know your loyalty sometimes and especially your ideas about you know um black women when it comes to, if you're if you're a white man if you're a black man yeah. and you only date white women i've never met one that didn't have <laughs> any kind of um um opinions about black women that, that wasn't rooted in white supremacy and so when we think about quincy i can't you know i can child maybe about music sure uh-huh. <laughs> but when we talk uh-huh. about respectability politics uh-huh. and your problematic nature you're one right. of the pro- poster boys of that when we think about um sydney portier you read um yeah. diane carroll's book <laughs> while he was cheating on his wife with Diane Carroll trying to get her like he literally um convinced Diane Carroll to leave her husband oh wow in the promise of <laughs> in the promise of leaving his wife and at the end he never left his wife he never left his wife and had wow. her strong, you know had her out looking like <laughs> a fool boo boo the fool and mm. he just had all of these fuckboy qualities. And so how you gonna come back and tell <laughs> Jamie I mean, Fox, we're all full human beings though. And yes, we all absolutely. Fuck up, so but it's know, hard. Think it's, there's a place to have both of those things. I'm like no, I think understand. there's a place to have a person could both have good advice and also be on some fuck shit. Yes, absolutely. So it's I'm I'm gonna side eye you. Like I understand it. Like I understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, we are all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw the mix in, in reactions. That's why I'm, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I, I understand. You can, you know, is we have a we talking. You, you bring up the governing structure of our c- culture. Yeah, the yeah. one of those rules is not just I say. them as individuals, mm-hmm. not just the, them as the, individuals, the, but the, the concept whole, of it. Yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> there is, yeah. there, there is a cold that, that comes up and I get it, but it, I just, it, I, I'm not going to listen to Oprah Quincy and, um, <laughs> and Sydney Now, if Portier. it's not, if it wasn't Oprah, let's say it wasn't Oprah Quincy and Sydney Portier. I'm just, that's the example. But the concept of, you know, if you are seeing somebody whether they're younger, not necessarily in years of life or younger in experience with certain things, do you think there's a place to say if you see someone like about to like crash the car, basically, do you think there's a place to say something or do you just be like, nah, I ain't gonna say nothing. That's not my place. I've done both. I'm invested in this person enough to where I want to say, I want to say something. And then there's mm. been a time where I'm I'm not invested in the person enough. So I'm not I'm going to mind mm-hmm. my business um, mm-hmm. or their 
personality mm -hmm. is a toxic personality that I don't mesh well with. And so it's, mm -hmm. it will be hard for me to do that with them because of how their personality is. And so mm -hmm. I've been in that situation too, where, um, there could be some similarities in our personality similarities in yeah. the sense of you act like I did when I was young and I know yeah. you're not gonna, um, I know as from my yeah. own experience that you ain't you gonna have hear to go shit. I, yeah, yes, you ain't gonna hear shit. I got to say, you ain't gonna hear yeah. shit. I got to say, cause this I know I didn't hear it. Gotta go yeah, through. Yeah. Some you, there's shit. a lot of yeah. situations that you have to literally go through in order to learn. Somebody can yeah. warn you out of their mouth all you all day long, but until you go mm -hmm. through it, you're not going to believe it. So especially mm -hmm. when it comes to the things about love, when it comes to things about having fun, because a lot of times young people think if you're older, you're out of touch. You don't understand their circumstances because mm -hmm. they feel mm -hmm. like their, yeah. their circumstances is so much different than yours. So you don't understand. So any it, it, it your disconnect from their life and, and um, generation automatically puts you out of the realm of um, understanding what they're going through. And right, so right. I've seen that a lot. Um, but, you know, I'm one of them people that if I I feel it, I'll tell you my opinion, but I'm going to move on. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what mm -hmm. I feel, but I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to let you, hey, yeah. I'm going to tell you that iron is hot. Don't touch that iron. <laughs> the iron is hot, baby. Don't touch it. <laughs> I, if if yeah. I have the power to put it out of your reach, I might put it out of your reach. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes you got to touch iron to know that it's hot. Yeah. Do you think I, it is actual respectability to look out like that? I think that there is a concept that is really common, fictitious kinship. There mm. is a there is a connection that we have with each other that we know mm. that what happens to you or how you act or how you do mm. reflects us all. And some people mm. are more burdened by that mm -hmm. when it comes to how they engage with other people. And because, oh, we know that this is going to reflect on all the niggas. We want to come and tell you to stop acting a damn fool because you are reflecting uh, yeah. on all oh, the yeah, niggas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I also That's think that is respectability yeah. politics all the time. Yes. And yes. it is rooted, it is it is the privilege of white people, is the privilege of individualism. They don't have to always think about this individual because it, it doesn't always reflect. Think about, you know, the, the mass shooters and the it, they don't be thinking, oh, all white men. Like when we think about the drag stuff, too, white men done got in drag. But I, I don't hear white men talking about, oh, yeah. they're emasculating the white man. Look, 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 look. I don't I don't hear that kind of um, that kind of fictitious kinship coming up this is how they making us all look the, uh, mm -hmm. the look at them them putting um our new black right. male star right in i mean they're not dealing with the same type of restrictions to make a person want to even go there exactly too, right like exactly <laughs> it's like so that i i think we yeah, have exactly. the yeah. i think we don't have the privilege of that individualism um mm -hmm. we have you know we have to be bombarded with these stereotypes that we are constantly fighting. And so we have to have a responsibility to, um, I don't want to say have to, but um, we feel like we have to have a responsibility to our race to reflect it in a certain way. And if somebody is not reflected in a certain way, which is respectability politics, right. then right. we have to fix it.
do you think there is a difference between just like the collective value kind of governance kind of just that is in a lot of black communities in African culture versus the respectability? Do you think there's a difference between those things or do you yes, think they because are, a lot of just those... so they're just too immersed to untangle? Yes. You know Yes, I think that there's always going to be an element of the status quo pushing its way into what we value, what we the values mm. that we have. When we when mm -hmm. recently um, at the Oscars, um, Sierra is next to her husband in this very mm -hmm. sheer revealing dress, and yeah. I see a lot of these conversations about oh how you know just inappropriate it was and and oh, and, and how yeah. it was um you're not respecting your husband and you're not respecting <gasps> who says this i done seen a bunch of post child that's so that's such foolishness and so and they'll do it in a way see this is why they over sexualize black women oh, and Lord, so, they will sure. take some problem and make this as a reflection of that problem and so um yeah, and so shit like that, and I think those yeah. things will creep in too, <laughs> always because there is hard to untangle them. Mm -hmm. Healthy mm -hmm. values, and then those inappropriate respectability politic values that it's hard to mm -hmm. detangle them. Period. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's yeah. real. All right, y'all. Well, let us know what you think. I mean, are you gonna let them know the iron is hot? Are you gonna say, "Hey, fam, the iron is hot," or are you just gonna say, I uh, "Girl, I told you a couple times, and I guess you're just gonna have to see for yourself." You gotta see. Or for yourself. are you like, you're like, you know what? I ain't got time for this person. The iron is hot, homie, and I gotta go. Let us. <laughs> I'm about out. Know what you think? Right, exactly. Let us know. <laughs> oh, you real egotistical and arrogant. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, a, a hard head make a soft ass. Soft is, yeah, that's real. That's a real shit. That's a real shit. That's so, a real shit. Know, hard, yeah. Let, yeah. let you do your thing. Cool. Let us know what you think. Hashtag Marsha Split. Give me, give me, give me euphoria. More than peace of mind. The joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme give euphoria. More than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme give euphoria. It's a feeling and a high can never come down from. Whoa. All right, Jay. So, what is bringing you euphoria this week? Oh, what's bringing me before this week? I would say uh, talking to black about black joy with you earlier today. Oh yeah, it was really. Oh, can good. we talk? Yeah, that was. Yeah, we can, can talk, we talk about, about that. Yeah, yes. yeah, that was. <laughs> can we talk about that? Yeah, <laughs> that was that was amazing. I uh, wish I could have saw both of you on the camera. I don't know what was going on, <laughs> on my internet, but Diamond and I uh, worked with uh, a researcher in Canada. I don't know if you could talk a little bit more detail, but Rebecca uh, Lowe. around Rebecca Lowe around, and we had a discussion about black joy, um, black queer joy, uh -huh. very specific. Um, and yeah, it was just a beautiful conversation. You know, it was very, uh, it was, yeah, it was a beautiful conversation. And then I also found myself just like opening up about shit. I was like, oh yeah, just, 
<laughs> no one's asked these questions before, you know? Um, so yeah, it was beautiful. Um, shout out to Rebecca Lowe and the work that they're doing um, in Ontario, Canada, which is really racist, yeah. despite what it looked like. You know, a lot of people mm -hmm. think Canada, Britain, Great Britain, I mean, uh, yeah, Britain, Australia, all these other settler colonies are not as racist as the United States. And they're, ask the people that's there, ask the black people that's there, ask the indigenous <laughs> people that's there. Okay. It just, it, just, it just look, it just, right. It just look prettier. You know, that's it. Yeah. They just decorate it differently. <laughs> uh, what about you, Diamond? What's bringing you euphoria this week? Oh, what is bringing me euphoria this week? Oh, I have some amazing news. So y'all hey. know last year in last year over the fall, I was a part of a, um, uh, building a database around trans homicides. Yeah. And yeah. we released the data in November. And because of, you know, that investigative work and all the work that we did for months and months and months and months, yes. we have forced three things to happen. One, we got an indictment in one of the cases because we were wow. prodding and poking. We got Come the on. dude. Yes, we got an indictment fuck, right? over um, Ray, um, uh, yes, Rihanna Pedro. She was a part of a hit and run in LA, in Los Angeles, and wow. they hadn't even indicted the dude, and they indicted him. So we got an indictment, and we got two cases reopened. So three wow. uh, three cases were, wow. were affected, but two, two of the cases were reopened because we have a newly elected, that's why it's important to vote, Come on now. Local <laughs> we have a new we have a newly elected person in Alabama in the county that um in Pritchard, Alabama, and they reopened the case of um Pug, who was murdered at a club in front of everybody and nobody is talking. Wow. Um, and then we have wow. another case of Kenna McFadden. Um in San Antonio, which was reopened, a white man she was on a date with, making out with, pushed her in the river, and she didn't know how to mm. swim, and um, wow. she drowned. And he said mm. that he tried to lie and say he didn't know she was trans, but they have video camera of them on the date cuddling and him actually knowing and Mm -hmm. you know him talking to other people about her transness so it wasn't right. a secret um right and we got the case reopened and so yeah so i make that those wow that's some amazing work diamond uh it it i am yeah. so um mm -hmm. fulfilled and feeling like oh i'm so happy that there was some kind of positive and you know the other two cases we don't know what's gonna happen but at least there's some kind of somebody is paying attention to where they are like oh we got some heat under our tails and yeah we're gonna do something about it and i and hopefully it's, alabama, i think it's you know yeah wow. alabama um san antonio texas and um los angeles and so we got some other ones coming down the line too some more information so we're waiting for some other ones to be reopened too so that that just brought me so much euphoria this week because yeah. it, you know sometimes you work on things and um you don't get a quick as a response, but just seeing that this impact, it just, it's beautiful. I love it. It brings me joy. That's what's yeah. up. So, all right, y'all tell us what is bringing y'all euphoria this week. I am, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be in Los Angeles, California. I'm doing a Come speaking on, engagement for um, Tinder. 
um, on Wednesday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, why am I even saying this when this won't go out till Thursday? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yes, I do the events. So I'll be in Los Angeles. Y'all won't hear it until it's after, until it's done. But <laughs> I'll be in Los Angeles, and yeah, hopefully I'll have some fun with um with Match dot com, Tinder and Match dot com. Oh, it's both. Yeah, they're one. <laughs> I something. I think they are, but they're like kind of connected. Yeah, yeah. That's ah. Uh, so Match is supposed to be like. I want to. I'm looking for something more serious, and then Tinder's like, "Ooh, hey, what's going on for, <laughs> for mostly the heterosexuals out there." We're going to be talking about um, how, as trans leaders, um, the more success that the successful we get, the even more isolating our dating experience becomes. So yes, <laughs> like I said this morning. Like I said this morning, it's nice to be a little bit formally after like 20 years being like gay for pay, LGBTQ Inc. ish kind of work to kind of mm -hmm. have a little bit of a break for, from the formal, formal level on that level. Uh -huh. And that's one of the reasons because it, it, it can get it can get kind of isolated. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you working with everybody, you working in the community. Yeah, you know, it makes it complicated. Anyway, we will see y'all <laughs> next week. And yeah, make sure you share and check the, out the links in the bottom of the mm -hmm. show notes. Make sure you vote. Can, oh, 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 real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. For example, about voting, real quick. Uh, in the, because I forgot to say it earlier. For example, why you should vote. May 6th in Travis County, there's going to be a ballot initiative that is Austin, Texas. Um, where there's going to be a ballot initiative where you can vote yes or no on creating the Office of Police Oversight, which would advise the city on the process invest and investigations of police officers, advise policies regarding policing, receive complaints regarding police misconduct, and so on. That is just one example of an election that's happening this year that has, you know, big consequences. So check out the links we got, see what ballot initiatives, see what elections are coming up. You probably, you may have an election coming up. Um, in what was this March, April? Check check for that. Check to see what's coming up in April and May. There's elections happening all over the country for judges, the DA, the shit that matters for us. You know, so just want to put that out there. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So yeah, we will see y'all next week, y'all. All right, hashtag March's plate. Bye bye. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, y'all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Every little thing's going to be all right. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. Baby, you're going to be